I'm pretty sure I'm known at Grantley Adams Airport for the amount of tears that went down in that place because it's awful. I mean, I used to, I actually developed anxiety over traveling because of leaving Jono. And it's weird because I didn't know that's what it was, but I literally used to have to take like anxiety pills to go on the plane because I would have huge attacks. Like I couldn't even get onto the plane sometimes. And I moved back home and like within six months, my mom was like, wait a minute, you haven't even, like you've flown out of here like three times and you haven't even flinched. And I was like, oh my God, that's so true. And I, it's just funny how like your emotional level and your attachment to someone can really like rip you apart in so many pieces. There's a side to a long distance relationship which has as probably as many highs as you know the dating world, which is that you come home and you only have three weeks to see each other and you're doing everything that you can and it's like this like rush, you haven't seen each other for months and like it's the best feeling in the world and there's this surge of energy, which to me maybe is the same thing that you would have if you were dating new people. There's laughter and quiet moments shared between lovers and friends. Something in me knows this house won't be Welcome to Framed with Love, and this is your host, Rhiannon Marquez. This week, our guest is Lauren Gill, based in Barbados and founder of Studio 5, an advertising slash branding agency that she founded at the age of 21, which is crazy to think about. I mean, most of us weren't founding a company at 21, starting with about three people and now she has a company of nine and it's growing and she keeps positive about the creative future for it despite a tricky economy back in Barbados. We talk about pushing the creative boundaries with businesses in Barbados but let's not forget about what this podcast is all about and that's love. We talk a lot about love and Lauren found her is it's 17 I mean this girl does things young and so much admiration for it she knows herself she knows herself so well and she talks about that confidence that she has in being one of the lucky ones that doesn't really experience imposter syndrome but then that too can build up and eventually manifest into anxiety it's a lot. It's a lot to juggle managing other people, even if the creative side really calls to you. Managing a crew, tackling a business, 
it's not an easy thing to have to manage every single day and it's hard to turn that off and now at 25 she's also engaged trying to enjoy this roller coaster that's life managing her business and planning her wedding at the same time Jonathan is her person and she talks about long distance how they made that through that how shifting into adulthood together somehow they made that work despite the odds and I hope you enjoy this episode. It was a pleasure to be able to interview her when I was back home to show you a different side of things to the hustle and bustle of creative life in Toronto. And in Barbados, it's, it's still a hustle. You know, they really push the frontier. They need advertising that stands out for tourism. Lauren shares it all. She admits that she hasn't often thought of love and her business in the same sphere, so it really pushed her to think of how these worlds collide together in so many ways, and how love works as a sounding board. As always, share the love for this podcast, share it with friends if you think that they will appreciate what's being said, if they think that this story will be inspirational and help push you to get out there and create. You can support the podcast through Patreon at patreon.com slash framedwithlove. All the support means the world. And subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Rate and review. Let us know what it is that you like about us. Or if there are things that we should tweak and make small changes. We like constructive criticism. It will help us make it grow and make the stories even better. So, without further ado, here's Lauren. and creator, founder of Studio 5. And we're going to start today with the relationship side of things, since you've been recently engaged and you're planning your wedding. And you have a very interesting story in terms of meeting your love pretty early. Yeah, so firstly, thanks for having me. Um, I'm honoured. Um, and yeah, we're going to go straight in. Um, Jono and I met almost over eight years ago now, um, which is crazy when you think about it and you actually put time next to things. But I was just over 17, now going into Harbour Lights for those of you from Barbados and you know know what that's all about. And I actually met him at New Year's Eve and we kissed on the dance floor and he messaged me the next day and he was like, what's your BBM pin? <laughs> because that's how long ago it was, um, which is so nuts. And we kind of chatted a little bit more. I was leaving to go back to school in Canada, which he had no idea about three days later. So, and we saw each other for the last time at the Sunday beach party at her place as well. And he walked me to my car and he was like, can I see you next week? And I was like, well, not quite because um, I actually live in Canada. And he was like, what? And I was like, yeah, I'm at school. I just moved out this year um, and yeah, I'm, I'm living away. And he's like, oh, right, okay, well, you know, can we still chat? 
And I was like, sure, like, you know, really not thinking anything of it. And I remember all my friends like, oh my God, like, what is this? Like, we saw you on New Year's Eve. And I was like, it's nothing. Like, I have zero interest in dating someone from Barbados right now. Like, I'm all about having the best experience away. And like, I, at that point, had wanted nothing to do with living in Barbados. I didn't see myself living here in the future. I was about the city life and just kind of being myself and getting into the creative and business side of things. So we kept chatting on PBN <laughs> and it was really nice. And then he asked me on a date when I moved back home in March. And by that point, we had talked so much on Skype and Messenger that we were like best friends. So it's kind of nice to get to know someone like purely on an emotional level before even having to think about anything else. And it just kind of escalated from there. And I was always really anxious because I really wasn't interested in a long distance relationship you know, with all the stigmas that they bring and, oh, you're not going to be able to experience your life and all of that. But from the very beginning, we both just said, you know, like, this isn't something that we wanted to happen and we didn't expect to meet someone who lived across the world. But at the end of the day, not being together would only make us miserable. So until we reached the point where we weren't happy being together, we would just keep doing what we were doing, which was talking every day and being supportive of each other and all of our dreams and then seeing each other when we got home. So there was never a point where you took a break or anything, and when you got into it, weren't actually intending for it to be long distance, it was more of those friendships that you kept being Yeah, with. it was mainly like, let's just, we're hanging out when I'm at home, and then we'll kind of see what happens, and it was really casual, it wasn't supposed to be anything serious, but we became like the best of friends through it, um, and then obviously that summer is when things got more serious with us, and like we were completely inseparable, and it was just so unexpected. But I would say throughout the entire time, because after that, I then left Canada. So obviously there's that kind of like, we've been together for a year and a half at that point, like, I don't want to move home, which is so unlike me. And the fact that I was even thinking like to move home at 19, like just shows you how crazy how with him I was. But then I realized like, I have to think of the bigger picture. I've always been a really big career person. I'm very passionate about what I do. And I, you know, persevered and went to England and did three years there. And Throughout that entire time, it was always like, we're really in love with each other. But the moment that one of us starts to feel any way, like this is, you know, not that it's too hard because everything great is hard, but that, you know, it's just not working functionally. We're having trouble communicating and we can't really get past it. Or even like we met someone else in Barbados, then we would just be completely open with each other and not hold each other back. And I think that was a level of respect that I really appreciated in our relationship where it was like, you need to have life that you're having. Um, I'm not going to stop you from that. And that was very much John. Like he wasn't a jealous person. He wasn't. You need to answer every moment that I, every message that I send you. He was just so open with like you need to go and have your experience, so that when you do eventually move home, there's no resentment or regrets that you moved home just for this person because that just wasn't who I was, and he knew that. Yeah, so it sounded very much like you both had your own separate lives, so that made it easier in terms of long distance, you had your own things going on. Yeah. But did you have any rules in terms for helping you to stay in touch with each other? So, uh, this is going to sound really annoying, but our personalities worked out really well for this. So, for example, it got really challenging at first when I moved to London, sorry, to Plymouth, um, which is where I was at university in England. Um, because it's a time difference. So we were super scared about that, like how on earth is this time difference gonna work? And without overthinking it, we just kind of, you know, started, you know, Skyping every afternoon. And I was like, what is working so well about this? I couldn't quite figure it out. And then when I moved home, we were talking about, you know, why did we do so well with long distance? 
and it's because I go to bed super late and Donna goes to bed super early. So when he was kind of like finished with work around like seven, I was still wide awake um, doing work or whatnot, kind of getting ready to go to bed as well. So even though we were hours apart, we were actually still going to sleep at the same time, which made a bizarre difference in terms of being able to link each other's schedules. I would say when, we, when I moved to London, it got a lot harder because I was working, so I wasn't as flexible with my schedules. So it did become a little bit trickier, which was right before I moved home. And was there ever a point where you considered staying there and saying maybe he could move, or was it always that you were planning on coming back? A hundred percent. So actually, so I lived in London for about just over six months, and I was working at an amazing agency in London called Pearl Fisher, um, and I loved it. And they, I started doing an internship in communications, and then moved through the agency and went into their design department, and I actually went back and forth there for about six months in total. And my visa, because obviously I'm from Barbados, it was expiring in November. And we had to make a decision on if I was going to stay on permanently since then. Um, and basically when we kind of came to the you know, conversation of, you know, could this be anything more? Like, are you interested in staying? It was too close to just transition over the visa. So I would have to come home to apply. And I'm a big believer in taking signs. I loved London and I think... I always think about like what kind of person I would be if I lived there. I just found like there was just this like thrill of like walking through the city and feeling like you're on top of the world after a really great day of work. But like I said, I, I do take signs and like the fact that I had to come home to apply for the visa in the first place and then they were still like, we've never like approached this before so we're not sure. Um, I was like, you know what, let me just go home. I've learned so much um, living in London, working with this agency that I had a couple of clients at that time that I was freelancing with and I was like, let me just go home and see what I can do. I have nothing to lose. Um, so, and my relationship I think was at that point where we kind of needed to see like, you know, is this our future or was this just an amazing six years at that point, five years. Um, so it, it just kind of all worked out. Like I was like, let me just try this chapter in my life and we try living in Barbados. And if both of these things work out from a career and relationship perspective, um, at least I tried it. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely, there's stories of couples that they did really well long distance, and then being in the same place, it just kind of shit hit the fan, really, and it yeah. doesn't quite work out. And, I mean, I tried long distance, and not to project, but I found it was a very difficult experience. So, how did you kind of get through, I'm sure there were trickier parts of the relationship, but knew it was worth persevering for? It's weird. I, I would say... One thing, we had a lot of conversations about how is this possible that we're still doing really well and still so crazy in love with each other, um, even though we're living across the world. And we had a lot of questions about it as well. Like, I mean, after we hit four years, people were like, how are you still together? Like, are you really like doing long distance for your entire university life? Uh, the amount of questions I had like that was crazy. But we've just always been very open about it being something that we didn't necessarily have any pressure on to work, other than the fact that we loved each other. So like one thing I remember us talking about early on was, you know, life is all about change and people will naturally change. So the key is, is you have to change together and not apart. And I think that's just about open communication and just being really supportive of each other's dreams and not being like, okay, well, you know, why can't you move to England or why can't you move home quicker? Like it's about saying like, okay, like I understand that you're at a point in your life where you're going through this and like, this is who you are and I'm here with you with that so that you're not going to open your eyes one day and go, I don't even know you anymore. So I think it's just that open level of communication, but don't get me wrong. It was so hard. It was, it was hard. Like 
just wanting like I, I'm a big hugger and when I'm upset like all I need to make me feel better is a hug and when you can't do that and you just have to communicate through this digital device all the time it's the most like it's just heart-wrenching experience um, I'm pretty sure I'm known at Grantley Adams Airport for the amount of tears that went down in that place because it's awful I mean I used to I actually developed anxiety over traveling because of leaving Jono. And it's weird because I didn't know that's what it was, but I literally used to have to take like anxiety pills to go on the plane because I would have huge attacks. Like I couldn't even get onto the plane sometimes. And I'm back home and like within six months, my mom was like, wait a minute, you haven't even, like you've flown out of here like three times and you haven't even flinched. And I was like, oh my God, that's so true. And I, it's just funny how like your emotional level and your attachment to someone can really like rip you apart in so many pieces. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you obviously were so in love that you were able to get through those tough things, but despite your love for Jonathan, what about when all of your friends were kind of going through the fun phase of dating several people and like, you know, exploring and because you met someone so young, was that ever challenging? Did you ever wonder, you know, what would it have been like if you did have that kind of dating in, in England type of thing? Yeah, so I would say I was a little crazier when I was like 15, 16, 17. So I dated quite a bit then, obviously at a different level. Um, when I was at university, to be honest, I was actually pretty hard on myself when it came to like actual school and doing well and putting my all into my work. I really respected that my parents gave me that opportunity to go away and I didn't want to just, you know, throw it away on partying as much as I knew that was a part of the experience. Um, so I guess sometimes I was kind of like, you know, like, it's like this huge stigma, like, at university you have to date as many people as you can, and like, the university days that you hear people talk about are all to do with, like, men or women, or, you know, the dating scene and everything that comes with it. But I guess for me, like, I use it as a point to create really great relationships with friends. Um, I'm still really close with two of my housemates that I have there. And again, like I never, if I felt that way more often, like I want to be with somebody else or like, you know, if I went out and wanted something more, I think I would have felt like I could come to him and be like, this isn't working anymore as in come to John. But I didn't for some reason. I do wonder why that is. I, I don't get it, to be honest. I want to give you the, the dirt and say like, yeah, I wanted to date all these guys and whatnot. But I, I didn't. I, it was crazy. And I don't know if that's because, like, you know, when I came home, there's a side to a long-distance relationship which has as probably as many highs as, you know, the dating world, which is that you come home and you only have three weeks to see each other and you're doing everything that you can. And it's like this, like, rush. You haven't seen each other for months. And, like, it's the best feeling in the world. And there's this surge of energy, which to me maybe is the same thing that you would have if you were dating new people. Um, to be honest, I feel like I relearned genre or like we just did different things every time we came home and whatnot so often that it did kind of feel like it could be the same thing as dating. I don't know, I'm just trying to guess, but yeah. yeah. I think it's interesting. Do you think that part of it is also the relationship that your parents modeled for you? That like from a younger age they were together and that was what you kind of saw as normal and do you think that affected your relationship? Yeah, maybe. Um, my parents are amazing and I definitely look up to them. And I mean, when you look at my whole family actually, like everyone has been with their partners for a really long time um like i would say mostly at my parents just 25 years um so yeah i definitely think that has to do with it i think it also depends on what you get out of relationships as well and like i think jono gave me so much support that it was a different type of 
love that like was you know he was always there for me and helped me become who I was in a way and I helped him become who he was because after eight years you're naturally like really integrated into each other um but there was still that I guess that like super big like sensation of like really just wanting to be together and loving each other that never seemed to go away but yeah I definitely think my parents would have had a big part to do with it um I think they also never sugarcoated anything that you know relationships can be hard and it really is all about communication, um, and they're really honest about it from the beginning. And I guess it also helps that they, they liked him from the get-go. Like, do you think if they hadn't, they would have said something? Like, they did not like him from the beginning. Okay, so I don't think they didn't like him, but I think they didn't like the idea that I was dating someone whilst I was at school away, because, so backstory, I like had to fight my way to go to a school in Canada. Like, it wasn't just something that I was, my parents were like, hey, do you want to go to boarding school? It was something that I spent months researching. I had to put together like proposals on why it was the best fit for me versus going to Cape. Um, my parents thought I could be a Barbados scholar, so obviously it would save them a ton of money if I'd gone to Cape and then hopefully gotten it. Um, but I wanted to do creative. And to be honest, I just felt like fine art in Barbados isn't where I was at. I think it was kind of limiting, so I was like fighting to the end to go to Canada and you know do all these creative courses. Um, and they thought that because I was dating John, it would be like the classic, okay, well, you have to move home because, or I'm going to ask them to move home because I miss him too much and, you know, I don't want to be away anymore because I'm all about boyfriend, boyfriend, boyfriend. Um, side note, don't tell me mom, but that's what she did. <laughs> so she was at university and was, oh, I think he lived in Trinidad at the time. I don't remember the exact story. And anyway, she moved back for right. him. Yeah. So I guess maybe he was worried like that I would do the same thing and that my dreams and ambitions that I had would be wasted. Yeah. But eventually they kind of came around, I think especially when they realized that when I was homesick I would cry to him instead of them. <laughs> so it saved them some tears um, and that he was really supportive and loving, that it was a good fit and that you never know what happens I guess. So they just eventually accepted it. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, of course, they just want you to be happy. Yeah, and I mean, now, like, I I mean, the couple fights we've had, I generally sometimes feel like, if we were to break up right now, I actually think my family would choose you over me. <laughs> because he literally, obviously, I'm joking, but yeah. he literally fits in so well. Like, him and my brother are, like, so, so close. Like, they hang out all the time. So he really just kind of, like, blended into our family completely, which is makes my life very easy. Yeah, it makes all the difference, for Yeah, sure. 100%. Yeah. And would you say that he's a more creative person, that he's able to understand your creative side? It's a question that I typically do ask the guests, and it's very interesting. It's so different in each case. Um, to be honest, I would say not in the same way that I am. I think all entrepreneurs have a level of creativity, and John, like me, is an entrepreneur. Um, I think he's, cre he's a creative problem solver, which honestly is a very big part of being creative, but he is more rational in his thinking. Um, whereas I'm a little bit more go big, you know, like what's the craziest thought I can have right now? How do I kind of make this happen? Um, we also, I guess, um, are emotional on different levels, which I think also has to do with creativity. So he always kind of says, or, you know, you have such big highs and lows because like you'll come home from work one day and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to take over the world. And like, this will happen and this is this client, this is the project that we're working on and he's like, you're so full of this energy and like, it's like nothing I can explain. But then some days you come home and it's like, it looks as if someone's ripped your heart out of you because you're disheartened or, you know, like it's just, I take the blows hardly because I'm so passionate. Whereas he's a little bit more like, 
um, I guess, just kind of even toned in terms of his emotions. So if something bad happens, he's like, yep, crap day. If something good happens, he's like, yep, good day. <laughs> and I'm always like, what are, like, where's like the emotion? Like, tell me more. Like, what do you mean it was a crap day? What happened? He's like, no, it's all sorted. It's good now. And I'm like, do you want to like vent about it? Like, I'm like, can't stop talking. And he's just like, you know what? No, it's been solved. And he just kind of like, is a little bit more level toned, I guess which sometimes drives me nuts, 100%. Yeah. But likewise, I'm sure my highs and lows are, yeah, you know, equally I think as crazy. It's really nice to have that. Like, I definitely had the same experience where I'm a lot more emotional and I want to talk about everything, let it all out. And I'm also with the Jonathan. Oh, really? <laughs> and he's very much like, oh, work was work. Like, I made it through it. Like, I exactly. fine. Same. And, like, more to himself. And he, like, has all brothers and that type of thing. So they don't either talk about it within their family. And it's just so different. But I think that if we were both to be these very extreme, like, one day it's you're over the moon. The next day it's like, how am I doing any of this? Then it would just be too much, you know? Yeah, exactly. So I do think it's really interesting. And how did he deal with your whole, when you came back here, starting up your business? Like, I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, so when I moved back home, I kind of decided, you know, I'm going to go for it. I'm just going to, you know, start a company and it's going to be called, at that point, I actually was going to call it something else. It was going to be called Loud and then I found out there was another, like, Loud talent agency, so slightly different. Um, and then we ended up with Studio 5 and I was like, you know, I'm just going to go for it. I have, I had, at that point, I had, like, five clients, just social media based, which is really funny because I was more... Um, I studied branding and that was my passion and love was branding so it was basically my idea that I was going to use those clients to kind of help them out with their branding and say like you know what if we did this with your brand and do some more strategic thinking for them and yeah it just kind of happened pretty quickly like I moved home on November 29th let's say and on December 12th Studio 5 officially opened it's crazy how life works out but so obviously my dad has really been supportive of my career in just terms of like believing in me. Um, I think mainly because he got a lot of free artwork out of me. <laughs> um, we're saving him some money, but um, before I decided to move home, they decided to hire a marketing manager who was Amelia at that time. Um, and then basically he was like, to be honest, like I don't have a clue how to even handle a marketing manager. I don't know what they're supposed to do. I just don't know. So like. I know you said you wanted to start an agency when you moved home, but like, would you be willing to basically like work with Amelia and let her work for you instead of for Harbour Lights? And I was like, okay, sure, but like, I don't even know what I'm gonna do. <laughs> like, far less how I'm gonna have another person on our team. Like, I don't know how it's gonna all work out. And she'd actually been doing social media for other companies. So I was like, okay, but when did you start? And they were like, in a week. And I was like, well, I can't have Studio 5 up and running in a week. Um, anyways, we actually talked and we really hit it off. And she was definitely like on the same level of me in terms of like what we wanted to achieve for brands in Barbados. But her area of expertise was social. So which would allow me to kind of go up more into the branding. So I kind of literally jumped into the deep end with that. Like I had, I mean, I was working for myself since I was like 16 up in England freelancing. Um, and running a company called Hashtag, which was like a pet project as such, <laughs> our social media agency. Um, and then I was like, okay, I guess I can just, you know, jump on board. I gave her my social accounts and then I kind of started pitching co companies for branding projects. And then we ended up fusing the two and so sad, so done. So that was Studio 5. 
Um, so we kind of what does the name mean, Studio 5? Is there a bigger story behind it? Yeah, there are quite a few actually. So <laughs> I guess at that point, like I said, it happened so quick that from the very beginning there was almost a lot of pressure on it because I was like, no, like responsible for a person and I'm, I just moved home. Like how am I even going to, you know, grasp all of this? Um, at the time I didn't realize what this, that was, but I was like so stressed from day one just to like figure out those logistics, find the clients. Um, and when Amelia was actually the one who was like, do you know that there's another company called Loud and Barbados on her first day? And I was like, like the walls came crumbling down and I was like, my whole vision is ruined. Um, and then we started looking for new names. And to be honest, I actually started coming up with names the way that I don't recommend to any client, which was just like, okay, this word, and it could mean this. And I spent like a week doing it. Most frustrating experience of my life. I can't even tell you how many times I cried about it. As childish as that sounds, but it was just so frustrating to like get it right. And then eventually I was like, you know, what am I trying to achieve? Let's go back to the reason that I decided to even do this and not live in London or not go and work for another agency here. And it was just, I'm so tired. I was tired at that point of just seeing companies in Barbados only look and to speak to you by shouting messages at you or only relying on visual communication and not creating any point of experience. And that's what a business should be. So I'd always said like, you know, whatever brands I want to build, I want them that whole strategy and experience to be integrated into every part of their business. If there are a product, how is a product packaged and delivered to you? Um, what does it sound like? What does it look like? What does it feel like? Um, basically looking at details, which I just think, to be honest, like I'm going to generalize here and just say, I think that's a huge thing that's missing in Barbados, the attention to detail and those small things that may seem like, why am I spending that extra money to think about how something feels? But you're connecting to someone so much more when you're using so many different senses. Mm -hmm. So it kind of summed up at the five senses. And Studio 5 just kind of happened because, I mean, when you're 21 and starting a company and you're like, okay, it's going to be called 5 because of the five senses. I'm like, okay, well, if I, someone were to call me, what would I say? And I was like, hi, this is 5. And at that point, it sounds totally normal now. You can't just say this is five. So I added the studio on because I kept calling my space a studio. And that's how we came to Studio Five. No, it's a great story. Yeah. And it makes so much sense. Yeah. yeah. Which is really beautiful. Did you find it was difficult in terms of when you first came back at 21, starting your own business, like to be taken seriously and to not feel the imposter syndrome? So to be taken seriously, I would say no, I didn't find it hard to be taken seriously because I'm very good at um, just putting on, like turning a switch and just becoming this person in a room where it's like nothing fades me. You know, I always say I'm really blessed that when I'm in a room with, whether it be a boardroom full of directors that are all men or women who can be intimidating at parties, for some reason when I'm in a room presenting, we're talking about five, I just, I was completely desensitized to anything like that. I just didn't pick up on any negative energies unless like it was specifically said. So it kind of allowed me to just to go in there and be like that. Um, to be in, in general, between the hours of eight to six when I'm in the studio, I'm really good at just kind of switching this really confident persona on where it's like, you know, I've got this under control and I'm doing my passion and my love and I'm, you know, it's hard as hell and I'm making decisions that I, I'm just going with my gut on. Um, but it worked in that sense. However, what I realized is that, you know, after a year or two, like I realized that it was just like so hard to just 
keep that up and it wasn't that I was like not confident it's just like when you do that all day long the kind of doubts that you shove to the side were like because you're confident and going like nope this is the right solution this is how we approach this kind of like come back to you when you're driving home and that's when the imposter syndrome hit it would be like driving home on an afternoon or like if I had a moment to myself like wait was that the right decision like did that go well enough or like maybe I could have done this better and it was almost as if I, as soon as I switched off from work in terms of physically doing it, I would just be haunted. And when I say haunted, it literally almost tore me apart by this, like, it could have been better. It could have been better. You could have done more hours today. Like, why aren't you in the studio at 6.30? Like, this is half day for you. And I still am so hard on myself. But that's when it hit. It was always after hours that imposter syndrome hit me. And how would you cope with that? Like... For me, I've been lucky enough that when I have hard times, like I've had some therapy and that type of thing, and I know that's not so common here. So how do you process things when you're having all these thoughts rolling around in your head after the big meeting? Yeah. So um, for the most part, I would say for the first year and a half, I definitely just shoved it to the side, shoved it under the rug, and you know, just kind of was like, you know what, just kind of keep going on a day-to-day basis. I think when it really hit was when I blinked and our team had grown from three people um, who I knew really well and we were just kind of building this cool stuff and like doing really great content to a team of you know nine people from all different um, backgrounds and you know some who I 100% think are better at me in certain areas which is what I wanted and I want to hire better and everything like that but it can almost be like whoa am I supposed to be here do you know what I mean and in terms of coping with it, I just kind of kept like shoving it to the side, shoving it to the side, and just getting on with it, making myself busier and busier and busier. And then it does hit you, and I think it hits you. It always used to hit me every, I would say I started to track it, and it would hit me every three months, where it was like three months of go, 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 and eventually I'd be like, okay, I'm exhausted, I need to take a break, and then it would like all come crashing down in terms of all that doubt that I had or, you know, any bad days, it just kind of kept piling up and piling up and piling up. Um, and I developed anxiety and it was pretty bad at some points to be honest where like I literally like someone would ask me a question in here and I would answer them and I would just look put together and I would have like the smile on my face and I would have my you know going 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 answer a call and then I would have to run out the room and by the way I don't even know if they know this but I guess they'll find out now and run down the stairs and go like and I was like literally catching my breath as if I hadn't been breathing for like an hour so it was a lot to deal with, and that's, this is actually recent. Um, I would say um, it was only in about March that I really started making changes to like concrete. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because this is all about relationships, and that's actually what made me snap out of it and go like, you can't just pretend like you have everything pulled together at all times without actually acknowledging like what the problems are. Um, and that was because how I would take it out without even realizing was by snapping at dawn. Yeah, and we got we're recently engaged, and he looked at me one day and he's like, I just I hate this because this is supposed to be the happiest year of your life, and you're so stressed out all the time, and you don't even believe in yourself. Like you're you come home and you're just doubting yourself, and you're not. You're I see who you are in the studio with your team and when you're in front of clients, and that I know is who you are. But for some reason, you let this thing take over when you're at home, where you just become this like depleted an anxious person who doesn't trust that what they're doing is the right thing and that they're good at what they're doing and he's like and to be honest it's not the greatest when you take out on me because I'm I don't know how to help other than just to say that you are amazing 
And I was driving to work the next morning and I was like, wow, like this is supposed to be the happiest year of my life. Like I am supposed to be obsessed with my planning my wedding and enjoying all those details whilst also running a company. Like I can't, I can't keep doing this to myself. I need to start figuring out how to be both people. And at that point, I just started looking into it, um, doing a lot of like meditation on a morning. Um, I go to the gym every morning and then I would actually go out onto the beach and journal, like, you know, what were the highs and lows of my days. Do you, you do know? a gratitude journal? Yeah, okay. yeah, I do. Um, so yeah, what were the highs and lows of my days and you know, what did that look like? And it was helping, but there were still things that I was so nervous about in doing and a lot of big decisions I had to make about the company that I just couldn't shake. So I actually saw a business coach, um, which in Barbados is basically like a therapist that's um, basically trained in specifically helping people who are trying to make decisions with work and whatnot. Um, and that was a big step for me because like you said, like people don't really do that here. And you know, funnily enough, I kept making the comparison to my dad. And I'm like, look at what he's built. And you know, he hasn't ever had to see someone. And you know, he's just so strong, he's figured it out. And look at so many entrepreneurs in my family, I'm like, they just figured it out. And all the influencers that you follow that are big entrepreneurs, like they didn't have to do this. And like, why do I have to get help on how to run a business? And you know, help some get help from someone to make these big decisions. And then I actually spoke to my mom about it, and she was like, But what makes you think they didn't get help? They just don't show you that side of things. That's so true. And I think that was a big wake up call. And uh, the business therapist has helped me, sorry, business coach or whatever you want to call it, because it could be anything to anyone, has helped me so much in just in terms of like how to make decisions and feel confident about them, even just, um, you know, reconfirming to myself like these are my strengths and these are my weaknesses and using that as a tool to actually hire mm -hmm. because you can't be everything. and. To be honest, if I want to grow this company, which I really do, I had to make the decision that, you know what, I'm going to hire people who are stronger than me, who are better than me, and who can say like, okay, I'm taking this sector and I'm going to run with it, whilst I focus on the bigger picture and the vision of the company and what that looks like. Yeah, and I really think once you're being authentic, it makes all the difference in the creative sphere, for sure. Yeah. And one thing I am particularly interested in is when you started this, you were working with really close friends. Did that feel strange, kind of being the boss to your good friends? Um, another question I get asked quite often, actually. It, it's not that it felt strange, but I definitely knew that I had to hide it from the very beginning. So I didn't know Amelia very well at all. I kind of knew her through like a friend of a friend. Um, so I think that was the right starting point for me. Um, what I would say is that when you're working in a studio that is like the size of a matchbox, which was what our first studio looked like, you do naturally become really close with someone. Um, so you do have to draw the line and we were verbal about it, you know, like work is work and once we're outside of here, unless you call and say like, this is about work, I'm sorry to bother you on a weekend, but you know, unfortunately like this is an emergency, then you don't just talk about it. So if I see you at dinner, I'm not going to be like, by the way, did you get this done? Um, I would say the closest friend that I hired was Shannon, who is now our lead digital. Um, she, we were friends, I just wouldn't say that she had just moved back from Canada, so I wasn't as close with her at that time, but I definitely in the same social circle and was slightly nervous about it. Um, but I knew she was amazing at what she did, and I was like, there's no way that I'm going to let, uh, you know, stigma that you can't work with friends stop me from working with someone who I actually think is really amazing at their job and has the same vision for where I want to take the company based on past conversations. 
So I actually invited her to lunch and she was like, this is weird, like, why we don't do this? We're not that like close as I need to go for a one-on-one lunch. And I didn't tell her what it was about. I was like, let's just go and grab lunch so I can see if she was interested. And before I even started, I said, this is not about being friends. This isn't a friendship lunch as such. This is actually Studio 5 related. So I have my business hat on. I'm Lauren from Studio 5 right now. And of course, we're friends on the other side of the spectrum. But this is who I am in this conversation. And then once she accepted the job, before when she came to sign her contract, we both had a discussion of what those lines would look like. And I do think it could be problematic for some people, but it has worked tremendously in the sense that we've always respected those lines. Um, There are 100% points where we go to bring it up and we both kind of register like, okay, wait a minute, like we're out at a party right now or we're by a friend's house, like this is no time to talk about work. And we take five steps back. Um, And likewise, in terms of like, you know, constructive criticism or feedback on how to improve the company, um, I think what works in that sense is as much as I tell, give a team feedback and like how to improve or like this needs to be done better next time or whatever it may be, um, it's just something that we all respect each other for and we know that there's no hard feelings attached. It's just the fact that this is our jobs and as much as, you know, it's, it's hard to hear feedback sometimes, in order for all of us to grow, the company has to grow. So we're going to all do what it has to take to do that. And you're still able to give her the honest feedback despite the friendship side of things. A hundred percent. And I think um, that was just something that we made super clear from the beginning where it was, you know, this is just how it is. But what also helps is that I always ask my team for feedback on myself. Um, So for example, like in every three month probation meeting that I have, which is basically when the feedback is the heaviest in terms of really great things and also things that we can improve on and even like where I'm imagining their career to go based on how it fits in the company. Um, at the end of every one, it's like, I know this typically sounds like it's all about, you know, giving you feedback, but that's not what a probation meeting is to me. You know, it's about how are you happy at the company? Like, you know, what do you think can be improved from a company perspective? Like, do you feel like it has a good culture? Do you wish that we did more things that were outside of the studio or whatever it may be? And then most importantly, how have I been to you? Do you get the right feedback from me? Do you get enough attention? How am I when I give feedback? And I literally would ask these questions, which it's so funny, like, especially for those who know me and don't know me, be like, wait, what? <laughs> but like I said, it's like, this is a, a super safe space. And I'm the first to say that I, I'm just, like, I'm, I'm starting out too, in a way. I'm starting this new venture running a business. I've never done that before. Always been doing creative for as long as I can remember. But in terms of running a business and managing a team, I'm super honest about the fact that I've never done it. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm totally open to constructive criticism on how I can improve. And that makes it a lot easier for me to give them feedback too, because I know that if they have a problem, they can come to me for it, with it as well. Yeah. And so... Starting this new business is one thing, but then in terms of when you're trying to bring new creative strategy to somewhere like Barbados, which isn't quite as advanced, say, as in the UK or in Canada, do you find that challenging? Do you find your clients are able to be receptive to things that might seem a little bit more out there? Um, Yeah, that was definitely the biggest challenge um, coming into the island. And I would say, like, when Tona talks about my lows, those are usually the things that cause the lows, um, especially with, you know, the agency that I was working at in London, we were working on Cadbury and these huge brands that, you know, had budgets like I've never even seen before. Um, 
So then to come back here and, you know, trying to explain these concepts of being experiential and, you know, how to really engage a consumer and even putting the consumer at the heart of a business, um, it definitely was foreign to a lot of people. And I think what I always tell our team and even tell myself on a very regular basis is that we kind of, we've been nurtured for the last six years to understand the consumer and to know that they really are the heart of the business. But a lot of people haven't and they don't necessarily like, they haven't been trained in the way to think consumer first. It's just more like bottom line, I think is a big thing that a lot of local businesses think of. How can I, you know, meet my bottom line and, you know, grow this business from a functional standpoint, not necessarily an emotional standpoint. Um, so yeah, I think it was hard. I think it's also, we're coming from a time where in Barbados, there were these huge businesses or like the most well-known businesses and they just worked. There wasn't necessarily much competition, but similar to the rest of the world, we're in this point of entrepreneurship. Um, small businesses are taking off. The economy isn't doing well right now, which does lead to people trying to start small things up. So you have to start thinking about it because A, your consumers have way more options now. B, they can be so much more vocal because of social media and whatnot. And C, because if there's a passion and a purpose behind what you're doing, people will want to be a part of it. And that was something that people just did not understand. And some of them still don't. And I think what I've learned is, you know, if we can we can pitch our heart out and, you know, try to show people the value in the consumer and, you know, how it can impact their business if they're really behind the decision making. Um, but if they don't buy into it, that used to disappoint me and I would fight it. Like, are you sure? Like, why don't you look at it from this perspective? And it wasn't about the bills or the money or the quotes. It was just about like, can you just understand where I'm coming from? It was just that acceptance of like, this is such a big thing. Like, wouldn't you prefer to interact with businesses in that way? Like, forget what you're doing. Put yourself when you're going to find. Like, wouldn't you prefer to have a much more smooth and experiential um, experience at the bank where you're being catered to in every need? You can get water and you can get you know, whatever it may be, but forget what you're doing. Just imagine yourself as a consumer. Can you not imagine how much happier your day would be? Yeah, and people notice those little yeah. things. They make such a drastic difference. A hundred percent. So yeah, it really did feel like really difficult at certain times. Um, and like I said, like, you know, when I said about the details, like that's something that we really focus on. And there's so many points where clients are like, this is just not necessary. Like, no, we don't need branded packaging for our restaurant. Um, we'll just use traditional ones or things that sponsors hand out. And it's like, but I get it. You want to cut cost. And the truth is, is that being in Barbados, it's very difficult for businesses to do these things. It's not as easy as just placing an order online and getting all this amazing packaging to your door, which was something that I had to learn as well through some hard conversations where they were like, you know, we understand your vision, but we also have to make this a functional business and we can't keep importing stuff every time we have a new idea. Um, so yeah, I think it took a lot of time to really understand what needed to be done here in terms of how much strategy needs to be applied and what was the right way to approach it. Um, and then also even doing research on our end. So one thing that I pride myself on um, as for the company is that we don't just say to you, this is what you need to do, good luck, we wish you all the best. Um, and that's another key part of Studio 5, we help you get it done. So we're not gonna recommend a packaging solution to you that we don't think is accessible here or that you can't bring in for an affordable price. Um, we try and do all that background research before we tell you this is how you need to move forward. Um, and then likewise, um, currently right now there are a lot of branding agencies and then there are advertising agencies. 
we kind of fit in the middle a little bit where we're going to do a full strategy, which is really looks like business development. How can you stand out in the market? What things can you do to make an impression on the public and really, you know, just kind of create, make someone go, wow, this is so different. This is so cool. Um, and then moving into the branding phase, which is where we bring the whole thing to life through um, design, of course, uh, looking at every element from interiors to a certain extent. We don't necessarily do it, but we um, kind of create the scope of what it could look like in that you know, final image um, to the actual website, logos, everything that you think about with the brand. Um, and then, and I think this is a really key part, is we don't just say, good luck, see you next time, let us know when you have another project for us to work on. We then take that into our retainer based accounts and help manage it on a monthly basis. So that mainly looks like social media for a lot of our clients or digital advertising, but for some it's content creation and updated photography and just different things like that. So that you have someone constantly supporting you who helped you create this brand, who helped you create this whole experience and believes in it with you yeah. and is going to help you get there. Yeah. I mean, just talking to you, I can see you getting passionate about your <laughs> It's your baby. It's yeah, your baby. literally. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's all so amazing, especially starting out at 21. Like, that's not a common story for most people. So with all of this going on, how have you been able to fit in wedding plans? <laughs> and are you still able to enjoy it? 100%. So, like, literally three days ago, I messaged John and I was like, oh my god, I'm so distracted at work. All I want to do is design these invitations. Yeah. Um, and he laughed and he said, like, just embrace it. Like, embrace the fact that you want to do both and that you actually can do both. Um, funny enough, and this wasn't done, like, out of, I didn't think about it. I just naturally did it. It kind of made, personally, I didn't get the team to work on it, but I personally made the wedding a branding project. I didn't even realize what happened until John was like, you're literally, you're literally pitching me our wedding. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you have a deck, a slide deck presented with our wedding monogram, our floral look and feel, the tones of the wedding, what the invitation will look like, and how it's all gonna come together as if I was a client. And I was like, this is just how I think, I, think. I, I don't know. But I think that's when I started loving it and I could be creative in a different way. It's funny because now that we're a team of nine, I actually don't get to do as much of like the small detail creative as I would like to. Um, you know, choosing paper textures and like some of that very delicate feminine stuff, which I, I'm naturally a very girly person. So something like a wedding is like a dream brand for me to create. So yeah, like creating our wedding monogram and our handmade illustration to go with it and whatnot. I just found this like it unleashed this different part of like my creative brain that had to come out in a little while. Yeah. Um, it's not a business, it's literally a purely emotional and aesthetic, mm -hmm. which goes against kind of what a graphic designer does, you know, like we're trained to think as a business, not as an artist. Mm -hmm. So we kind of are always like businessy, but this was like so rawly artistic and just like detailed that I like I'm, I'm in love with it now. But it took me a while to get there because I didn't really know how to jump into it or how to find the time to jump into it. Um, I'm not going to lie, it got down to the wire where like, we have to send out our save the dates because we're already a week behind and I've done nothing. Um, and I just jumped in, started doing it and I've loved it ever since. Um, so I do it at night and on the weekends um, as much as I can. And you know, sometimes I'm going to be the first to admit 
the in-between meetings, if I have a moment or two, I'll just sneak in a little bit of, you know, ordering my wax stamp and like all these small little things that are totally unnecessary, but so me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's actually become a really fun part of my day and a kind of like a relaxing point for me just to kind of unwind. Yeah. So there's no like anxiety for it to be this perfect thing. And of course, everybody wants it to be special, but you don't feel too much anxiety around it. 100%. <laughs> and well, I would say so. Like, we did an engagement shoot with Mia, who's amazing. Um, she's going to be our photographer. She was my first guest on here. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Uh, well, I'm going to have to listen to that podcast because I love her work. It's so raw and unfiltered. And I think the key thing that I loved about it is it showed so much emotion. So, anyways, we're talking about photographers and like what the day would be like, like when we got engaged, like literally the day after. And Donna was like, we're not gonna, we don't spend too much time doing pictures, right? And I'm like, you're talking to someone who builds brands for a living. <laughs> yes, we definitely have to do a lot of pictures. Like, that's the biggest part. We have to put, like, not the biggest part, but like that's a huge part. We want pictures for our kids to see. And I'm kind of building all this emotion into it. And like, you know, we need contrasting images for our walls. And I want this image here. And he was like, we got engaged a week ago. and you deciding what's going on our walls okay um but I was like yeah it's gonna be big and he was nervous and he's like okay I'm not really a poser um so is he averse to pictures in general no not at all I would actually say Donna's really good at just kind of smiling like at the camera like yay <laughs> all right click let's get on with it so he's not like I'm not taking pictures I'm uncomfortable but ask him to show emotion in front of the camera and he's like this is a no-no like this is for me and you yeah. and for no one else so why is someone taking a picture of us like looking into each other's eyes and pretending to have a moment um donald's a very like real person he doesn't like anything fake or forced so to him doing pictures that aren't just candid is completely against what he believes so he was like okay well if i have to do this we should probably practice and he obviously offers engagement shoots and of course, I'm building our wedding website, so we need great pictures. So we actually decided to do it, and it was great. I got my hair done and my makeup done, and I was like, perfect, this will be my bridal trial. So, you know, making, instead of just doing it and being like, okay, great, I have nowhere to go, let's put this to use. So bright sunshine at that point, got my hair, got my makeup done. Of course, the business side of me kicks in, I'm like, okay, the shoot's at four, what's the latest that I can leave work? And I'm like, I'm gonna go two and I'll get there at 2.15 and it's super like back to back to back. Like there's no time to even breathe. I literally had my dress hanging in my car, I changed at the hairdresser, and I went straight to meet Donna to go to the location. And we're driving down and, and Nia messages and she's like, it's pouring with rain on the East Coast because we were doing it at um where was it? Eco Lodge. Okay. And because of course I'm like it's beautiful and it kind of has the same kind of aesthetic as like where we're getting married, so it kind of like it preludes what's happening. Because um, I do this where I just paint everything and make it so detailed and I'm like, okay, great And she calls me and it's raining and we're driving down and it's not even just raining. It's like fog So I'm like, okay, this isn't the glowy sunset feel I was going for but it's gonna be fine I'm literally talking to myself in my head like this which sounds crazy, but it'll be fine You know, we're just gonna be like twilight. It's gonna be like a twilight vibe <laughs> So we get there and it's super slippery on the wood and Nia's like, I don't want to go into the gully because, which was kind of our idea, so it kind of hidden away, not necessarily in front of the hotel. She's like, it's too slippery, I'm too worried that it's under construction still, so let's just stay up here. So we did like three shots, started to drizzle, and then she moved us over to another area 
and all of a sudden these tourists came out and were looking at us. And John just looked at me, he's like, no, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing this, I can't do this. And he's like, Ania, I'm so sorry, I just, this is just so forced, I'm like, I don't want these people watching me. And I'm there like, okay, this is not my plan. <laughs> it's raining, and now John is like freaking out, we can't go into the gully of the solution. And Ania's like, you know what, maybe we should just relocate. This isn't what you guys were going for in terms of the vibes. We're like, let's just do it another day. And then it started to pour with rain. So I was like, okay, another day. So I got into the car and I burst into tears. So I was like, oh my God, like this was this whole build up. I got my hair done, I got my makeup done. And you know, like we have a timeline for the wedding invite. And, and I think that's when you start to take it too seriously as a project or like too, I'm too perfect about it. And, uh, I was so panicked. I was like, just, you know what, forget it. We just won't bother. We'll just wing it on the wedding day. And Donald's like, no, I want to do it. I just don't want to do it with people watching me. And I really hope you can understand. It was a long conversation. Anyways, so we rebooked and it rained again. And I was like, oh my God, is this a sign? Like, what is the sign telling me? And I was like, okay, whatever. It's not a sign. And we rebooked again for Saturday, which was nice because that's what we were trying to get the whole time. So we weren't both in work mode trying to be lovey-dovey. Um, anyways, so it was actually last week and we ended up doing it after talking with John and he's like, you know, I just want it to have more meaning than us going to take pretty pictures. He's like, don't worry about the wedding day because I would have just married you. Like there's enough emotion there for me to be like, this is just me. I'm like ecstatic about what's happening today. Um, however, you know, just going to some random locations to take pictures for a website just felt so superficial. And I was like, well, okay, where do you want to do it? And he's like, let's do it where we got engaged. And it was a house on Concept Bay. And I was like, okay, if that's what makes you happy, that's fine. And honestly, I don't even care about what it looks like anymore. I just want to do it with you. And we did it. And I did my own hair. I did minimal makeup. And I just kind of threw on a dress out of my closet. I didn't overthink it. We actually met my friends before on the way in and just had a drink. Totally different perspective, totally different vibe. And it was amazing. And it was just like, there was no pressure. There was no kind of like, I guess, like expectation of what it should be. And there was no reason for me to be let down because it was just the two of us. Mm -hmm. And we took Bungie with us, who's our dog. And that also helped a lot yeah. because we were playing with him. And it was us just being us and just yeah. being candid. And when we felt awkward, because sometimes they are awkward, we just laughed about it. And I was just a completely different person, yeah. which is who I'm trying to go into for the wedding day, yeah. you know? like. Whatever happens, happens. Um, I think no matter what, it's going to be an incredible day. And it's just, I'm just excited for everyone to see how it comes to life and to what it means, you know, like actually marrying Donna. And uh, yeah. Yeah, so exciting. So excited for you. I know. So we're going to wrap it up. Um, are you optimistic about the creative future of Barbados? So this has been a really loaded question for me. I don't know, you probably didn't know that, but. A hundred percent. To be honest, like this isn't the greatest economy. When you, I'm not sure if you noticed from being home, but when you talk to people, especially business people, it is so negative and it's exhausting how negative it is and it can be so, so draining. So I would say yes, I am still hugely optimistic, um, probably annoyingly so to some people because it's like, you know, you just have to accept the economy, the economy, and there's nothing that we can do about it. Um, but I generally think creative thinking is how we can not solve everything, of course, but at least work towards it. Um, and you know, I always say like tourism is a huge part of our country. Like 
why aren't we giving tourists the same level of service that they're expecting when they're away and you know not only blowing them away with what our country looks like but what um, the services like and the whole experience that they have so I mean that's just one example of like transforming our restaurants bars hotels even tourist attractions and making them more authentic you know using creativity to build culture into what we do as opposed to just kind of saying like yes tourists love to see people dressed up like what does it mean how do you tell that story don't just try and sell them for what you're doing like make them buy into it with their hearts not necessarily just because they have to tick that box um, and that will directly impact the economy if people are like falling in love with our culture versus our beaches and I think that helps right away um, and even then like you know in this economy people are so particular about how they're spending their money and they're not just going to choose you because your service is good or your product is decent um, it's much bigger than that and so many clients come to me and I'm like what's your differentiating factor like what makes you special why am I coming to you and they go my service is really great like it's the best service in the island and I straight up say to them now I'm like you're the 150th person for the week to have told me that your service is great like guys this isn't that's not an opt anymore it's not a separating factor to be honest it should be a baseline it should be like this is what our country provides people with it's great service across the board people who are generally caring about what they do what you should be looking into is like how can you add value into their lives and really make their experience worth their while and worth their money and right now nobody has money to just be like i'll try this today and if i don't like it i'll buy something else it's like they're thinking so detailed about what brands they're aligning themselves with and even what they can afford and why that $100 should be spent here and not here, that you have to give them more. You have to give them a reason to believe and a reason to want to be a part of what you're doing. And that takes creative thinking. Because passion, in my opinion, in a business is everything. And you know, it's the one of the first things I can highlight in a client is when they are just they found an opportunity and yes it's an opportunity that they can maybe fix based on a business solution but they're not necessarily passionate about it they're just kind of like i think this could make money in barbados so i'm gonna do this and then you have the clients who come to you and they're like you know like honestly like i just found this thing and you can see the passion in them that they just genuinely want to help and solve a problem and hell yeah it can make money as well which is you know the best of both worlds but it's bringing that to the forefront that is going to change the way that creative thinking is looked at in Barbados. So I'm very optimistic about it because it's all I talk about. <laughs> and what tips would you give to other creatives starting out? I would say to 100% just kind of believe in what you're doing. I would also say is that if you're not a creative, you need to have something tangible to take away from it. Like you can't just tell someone like, look at this really amazing illustration, like don't you want something like this for your business? And this is kind of a far-fetched example and it's not necessarily relevant, but you need to show them how it's going to change your business or why it matters. You know, that's why we actually have created the strategy sector in Studio 5 is because people need insights, they need tangible information, they need something to go like, this is why it will help my business, not just it will look pretty, which unfortunately is the mindset of most Bajans. Like, creatives just make things look good, they don't necessarily help the functionality or the, you know, part of the business or how it runs. So you have to show a little more and also come down to their, not come down to their level, because I'm not saying that you're coming down, but more that you're making yourself more relatable to them and more approachable. So sometimes, and I do have to do this all the time, like when you're really passionate and someone's not necessarily there, it can seem extremely overwhelming. You're like, okay, 
we're just not quite on that level. Like we're just a normal business trying to, you know, get by on a day to day. Um, you have to make it relatable. You have to make it tangible. Um, and you have to like, give them a reason to believe beyond just like, I'm really great at what I do. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for this whole conversation. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Thanks for tuning in for this week's episode of Framed with Love podcast. And you can find more of what Lauren Gill is up to at Studio 5 on their Instagram at studio underscore five. The F is number five. S-T-U-D-I-O underscore five. Numerical five, I-V-E. I'll put the link to it in our show notes. So you can just click there to give it a look and see what work they're up to. As always, you can see more of the images of our guests on Instagram at FWL Podcasts. That's at FWL Podcasts and on Facebook at FWL Podcast, where there are images, quotes, and more. All the links will be below in the podcast notes. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Google Music, or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you in a couple weeks for our next one. Keep framing your life with love.